Rabbi Huda tells us on Sukkah Dafnin Aleph Hamid Beis that whoever didn't see the great synagogue in Alexandria has never seen Kavo. It was a tremendous structure. It could hold, literally, the Gemara says, over a million people. Um, and it was built, it was just a magnificent uh, display of architecture. One of the interesting features of that architecture is that in the front of the shul, they had, the Gemara tells us, 71 golden chairs. 71 golden chairs, connected the shivim ve'echad zekenim, connected the 71 zekenim. And Rashi says that represented the Bezdin Haggadah, the Sanhedrin Haggadah. Um, the great Jewish court that sat in the base of Migdash, they had their own in Alexandria. The Tosos asks a question here and says, this is Rabbi Huda telling us this statement. Rabbi Huda says there were 71 golden chairs for the Dayanam of the Sanhedrin Haggadah. And that's a problem because we know in Sanhedrin Tosos says that there's a machlokas, how many Dayanam are supposed to sit in the Sanhedrin. The Tanakhama holds 71, and Rabbi Huda holds 70. So if Rabbi Huda holds 70, how could he say that there should be 71 chairs? So Tosos answers that there was one additional dine. Yes, it's Rabbi Huda, and yes, he holds there's only 70 dayanim. However, there's something called the Muflash of Bebezdin, the, the sort of the grand rav of the Bezdin, the one who's exceptional. He's not part of the Bezdin proper, but he oversees it. He's usually the Galahador, and that's his job, not to vote, but to oversee the proceedings of the Bezdin. This Mufla, Sheba Bezdin, he has ramifications in Halacha. The mission in Harius on Daf Dalet tells us that a Bezdin, if they make a mistake, they bring a Korban, but only if the Psak they gave fulfilled a number of criteria. One of those criteria is that the Mufla had to be there. If they paskined without the Mufla, Sheba Bezdin being there, then their psak is disregarded and they not they are not considered at fault as much because they should have asked why did they paskin without having the great one of the Sanhedrin there. <clears throat> the Magalias Hayam uh, in his Sefer on Sanhedrin, uh, Magalias, his Sefer on Sanhedrin, he speaks about what is the purpose of this Muflash of Clearly there was one, as we see from the Mishnah Harias. But what was he doing there? What was his function? And why couldn't he be part of the Bezdin proper? Why did he have to sit outside of the Bezdin and yet still be essential to the functioning of the Bezdin? So Rabbi Magalius gives us different functionalities that he had. He was able to veto the, the Psak of the Bezdin if he wanted. He could say, let's talk about it again. I'm not accepting the Psak. He couldn't overturn it, but he could reopen the case if he felt it was necessary. But it still doesn't explain, even, even according to Margolia Sayyam, why there had to be such a structure. So just let the Mufla be, you know, the Chief Justice Sahamdil and let him vote as well. Why did he have to be separate? Really, we find that this is a, a concept that is true in all Psak and all Limud, and anybody who is a Rav, this is something that they should be familiar with uh, from their journeys through Shas. Starting with Pirkei Avos, obviously, the first parak of Pirkei Avos is not speaking to the common man. If, if you see from the beginning, it's heaven masunim din, you should be deliberate in judgment, raise a lot of students. It's speaking to Dayanam and Rabbanim. And one of those mitzvahs uh, being addressed to them is that you should make for yourself a rav as well. 
Every Rav needs a Rav also. He can't live alone. The Gemara in Mako says, quotes the Pasuk, Cherv al-Badam, a Talmud Chacham who sits and learns on his own and paskins on his own, he eventually, the Gemara says, becomes a tipesh. When we don't allow others to look at what we're saying, when we don't allow others to critique us, when we don't look to somebody who might have a better vantage point of the halacha that we're trying to espouse, eventually we're going to fall because of that. Even Shlomo HaMelech, even the greatest of the greatest of the Chachamim, the Gemara in Brachos tells us that a person should always live in the place of his Rebbe, because we see from Shlomo HaMelech that he, his Rebbe was Shimi ben Geira. And when Shimi, when Shimi ben Geira was alive, Shlomo's Psakim were perfect. His Cheshbonos were totally accurate because he was always afraid. What will my Rebbe say? What will Shimi ben Geira say? But then when Shimi ben Geira died and, he, and Shlomo was alone with his Chachma, he was the one in charge of those decisions and there was no pressure from the outside making him reconsider. Gemara says at that point was when he married Bas Paro, the daughter of Paro, and even though he himself remained a tzaddik, she was not a tzaddikus, and the Tanakh attributes to Shlomo some of her averas as well. So the Gemara says, always live where your Rebbe is, to make sure that you have this oversight, to keep your cheshbonos honest, to keep your chachma pure. And that would be the case with the Sanhedrin as well. There was nobody above the Sanhedrin. This was the Sanhedrin Haggadal. You couldn't appeal past this. So if you were a Dayan, one of the 70 Dayanim on the Sanhedrin Haggadal, how did you keep your Cheshbonos pure? So we could say this was the function of the Muflash Bebezdan. He was not part of the system. It wasn't like he has a saying, I have a say. No, he was overlooking. He was giving guidance. He was giving his Chachma, but he wasn't voting. He was exalted beyond the Sanhedrin itself. And the Dayanim had to know that if they passed incorrectly, he was going to call them to task for it. We find this with Esther as well. Esther was obviously one of the greatest Yidin who ever lived. She was uh, she Malchus, the Gemara says. The Shekhinah rested upon her shoulders as she went into Ahasuerus. What we, we don't even have the words to describe what that means. We don't have the thoughts uh, or the paradigms to understand what it means that the godless of who Esther was. And yet even Esther, she had to have a Mordechai. Esther, when uh, she was making her halachic cheshbonos, should I go to Ahasuerus, should I not go to Ahasuerus? Uh, she had very many, a ton of solid halachic uh, cheshbonos, why she should not go to Ahasuerus at that point. And Mordechai, who was on the outside, he, he couldn't make the decision for her. She had to make it. But he was on the outside and he was able to tell her, no, in this situation, your cheshbonos are wrong. They are true cheshbonos, but they're not correct at this point in time. This is what you have to do and you have to do it now. And it was when she accepted that, her humility, that's when it was attributed to her lafshamachos. She was able to pull the shechina upon herself, kaviyocho. She was able to bathe herself in the shefa of Kaddish Baruch Hu and be matzliach in her interactions with hachashverosh. Hashem, we, all, we should all be Zoha to such an Yanim. We all have our little fiefdoms like we want to be in charge of our families, our communities. It could be businesses, it could be personal relationships where we get to make the decisions. And we do so. But we need to have the humility and open ourselves up to critique. 
There are people who can look at us from the outside, and we should welcome that and not be hesitant or nervous about that. If we're able to do that, open ourselves up to hear what somebody intelligent has to say about the decisions that we make, then we too should be able to be lafshamachos. We too should be zocha to have the shechina be mashpia upon us. And once again, we should realize the words of the Megillah,